Chapter Eleven of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eleven: A Half Confession. Mrs. Moxton made the statement regarding Busham's innocence with so much decision that Ellis looked at her in surprise. It was strange that she should defend a man she disliked how is it that you think him guiltless he asked anxiously because he is a coward and too timid to kill a man your husband was stabbed in the back in the darkness that looks like a coward's deed all the same i feel sure he is innocent persisted the widow i can see no reason for his killing edgar he knew that old moxton made another will shortly before dying and that he would not inherit no look at it which way you will mr busham is not the murderer i detest the man but i must be just to him what else did rudolph tell you or rather on what ground does he accuse mr busham he refused to tell me the grounds without your permission my permission why i know nothing about the matter from what zirknitz hinted it it would appear that you do said ellis a trifle dryly then he shall tell his story in your presence rejoined mrs moxton quickly and you will see that i know nothing i shall be glad to be convinced tell me why did you keep silent about this young man because of the blood marks on the arm of edgar oh so you knew the secret of the cryptographic signs in spite of your denial i did i do as a matter of fact i taught that cryptogram to my here mrs moxton closed her mouth with the nervous gesture of one who thinks she is saying too much to your sister finished ellis quietly mrs moxton fenced how do you know that i have a sister from the books in your house some of which contain your name and that of your sister janet also from a cabman in the rank here who described to me a woman so like you that i am convinced she is your sister possibly from the exact likeness your twin sister the widow became the colour of chalk at these words where did the cabman see her he drove her to pimlico on the night and about the time your husband was murdered for a moment or so mrs moxton looked doubtfully at ellis and passed her tongue over her dry lips the doctor could see that she trembled his unexpected knowledge evidently inflicted a shock on her nerves yet for all her emotion she still strove to baffle his curiosity you seem to know a good deal about my husband she said irritably i do because i am anxious to clear your name and extricate you from a difficult position mrs moxton ellis rose and bent over her with great earnestness why will you not be frank with me you tell me much but you will not tell me all she moaned and moved away from him heaven help me i dare not tell you all yet i am your best friend i know it but you would shrink from me did you know the truth ellis took her hand gently tell me who murdered your husband he whispered urgently i don't know i swear i don't know cried the widow with much vehemence if i did i would tell the blood marks hint at zirknitz yes yes but i am sure he is innocent rudolph is foolish vain shallow but he never killed edgar i swear yet the name on the dead man's arm i don't know the reason of that i can't say why edgar wrote it i read it myself although i denied all knowledge to you it was for rudolph's sake that i lied i was afraid lest he should get into trouble 
i asked him if he was in dukesfield on that night but he denies that he was and your sister janet a tremor passed through the frame of mrs moxton she came to see me on that night and we quarrelled she left before edgar came back and i suppose went crying down the road to take a cab home did she see the murder committed asked ellis tentatively i don't know said mrs moxton under her breath i am oh she burst out i can't tell you more i have had to do with villains and rogues all my life and i am paying the penalty of their sins not of my own i have tried to be a good woman so do not shrink from me i swear that i do not know who killed edgar some day i may tell you more but at present i cannot i cannot she hastily let down her veil and stood up to go you trust me still you believe in me yet she said entreatingly with tears i do replied ellis touched by her emotion you puzzle me more than i can say yet i am sure you are innocent of all evil but if you would only tell me some day some day she interrupted hastily but not now yet what you should know you shall know come to me between four and five to-day and you will meet rudolph he shall confess what he means by hinting at my knowledge of mr busham's guilt i will come with pleasure but do you think zirknitz will come yes i will telegraph for him now he loves me and trusts me and i have great power over his weak nature in my hands he is like wax and if the truth is in him you shall hear it this afternoon but i know that rudolph is innocent i am certain that mr busham did not strike the blow heaven alone knows the secret of edgar's death good-bye good-bye dr ellis and do not think badly of me indeed indeed when the moment comes i can put myself right in your eyes what other people say or think i do not care but you must be shown that i am more sinned against than sinning good-bye she stretched out her hand and withdrew it abruptly ere he could touch the tips of her fingers not yet not yet she muttered and swiftly glided from the room before ellis could recover from his surprise the woman was more inexplicable than ever apparently she knew a great deal as could be seen by the information which ellis had dragged out of her yet she refused to be candid although at the same time she admitted that she wished to preserve her friend's good opinion the hints dropped in her last hasty speech showed ellis that he was right in trusting to his instinct concerning her nature whatever mrs moxton might be mysterious shady dangerous she had a straightforward honest mind it was warped by the circumstances in which she found herself placed through no fault of her own and she was forced to fence and lie and act a tricky part for some strong reason which she refused to impart to ellis privately he thought that all her energies were bent upon shielding her sister as formerly she had striven to shield zirknitz by denying all knowledge of the cryptogram could janet gordon be the guilty person ellis twice or thrice asked himself this question but could find no answer to it her hasty flight on the night of the murder her tears her silence her absence from the music-hall hinted if not at personal guilt at least at guilty knowledge if she did not kill moxton herself and on the face of it she could have had no reason to do so she must have seen the crime committed perhaps she had met with the assassin face to face and had fled horror-struck and weeping to the cab-stand the way to learn the truth would be to see her 
no doubt she had confessed the cause of her terror to mrs moxton and it was this secret which mrs moxton loyally doing violence to her nature wished to conceal but if the widow would not speak ellis made up his mind that janet gordon would therefore he resolved to find out the number of her lodging in geneva square and call upon her failing mrs moxton zirknes might supply the information in her own despite mrs moxton must be rescued from the dangers which appeared to surround her she had confessed with less than her usual caution that she was paying for the sins of others and ellis was bent upon bringing the truth to light and making the actual sinners suffer for their own wickedness the fact that he was more deeply in love than ever greatly assisted him in arriving at this conclusion yet a wise man a worldly man would have called him a fool to still love and trust mrs moxton in the face of all he knew about her but in this instance instinct was stronger than argument and ellis was satisfied that the woman he loved would yet emerge vindicated and spotless from the dark cloud of troubles which obscured her true nature precisely at half-past four he presented himself at myrtle villa the door was opened by mrs moxton herself apparently she had been watching for his arrival and ellis guessing as much felt his heart swell with joy strange that his love at this moment should move him to emotion rudolph is here whispered the widow let me question him i know how to make him speak out ellis nodded and when ushered into the sitting-room was sufficiently composed to meet zirknitz with a smile the austrian looked an adonis in the daytime and was admirably dressed in a smart frock-coat fawn-coloured trousers and patent leather boots of high polish he was a modern d'orsay in looks and dress just the handsome kind of scamp to attract silly women ellis had no doubt that one day or another monsieur rudolph would pick up an heiress and become respectable the young man was shallow and selfish yet if one could judge by his smiling face harmless enough in other ways i am delighted to see you doctor said the austrian blandly you must forgive me for leaving you so abruptly the other night but you are beginning to ask me indiscreet questions so i vanished rudolph always considers himself first observed mrs moxton who was making tea he is the most selfish creature in existence the most selfish assented zirknitz i think of no one but myself why should i every man should think of others said ellis hardly knowing what to say in the face of this cool confession oh mon cher monsieur that doctrine is out of date thank you laura i will have some tea three sugar bits my dear i love sweets and sunshine and pretty girls as a butterfly should mrs moxton looked at the pretty youth with something of contempt you need not blazon forth your follies rudolph i know what you are and dr ellis will soon find you out what is this story you have been telling him about me story none what is it monsieur bon de mockery you accuse busham of this murder ah yes now i remember and i refuse to tell you my reasons until permitted by my sister have i your consent ma chère laura tell everything you know cried mrs moxton with a frown why you should bring my name into the matter i don't know there is no need for you to explain rudolph you will only romance why do you suspect busham zirknes looked at ellis can i speak freely he asked doubtfully certainly the doctor is my best friend 
ah so charming to have a best friend here then monsieur and you my dear laura when i was at dukesfield on the night edgar was killed why said ellis with something of anger in his tones you told me you were not at dukesfield on that night zirknitz shrugged his handsome shoulders i told a lie oh yes i always tell a lie when necessary i did not know laura wished me to speak so i told you what was not true what would you monsieur your questions were indiscreet my answers were false voila never mind excusing yourself rudolph what about mr busham eh my dear sister i believe he killed our poor moxton why not i saw the excellent busham in dukesfield on the night of the death End of chapter 11 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California